morning. We're so glad you're here today. Uh, thanks for being here, uh, here at this church building, but a huge thanks also for those of you who are turning, uh, tuning in on the live stream. We're glad you're here. You are just as much here and part of this service as anyone who's physically here. So thank you for joining us. We're glad you're here. And we encourage you to engage in worship and everything just like you would if you were here in the blue chairs. Um, before we get started with our morning of worship, we just want to make one quick announcement. We know a lot of things have changed, obviously, given all things COVID. Um, and events have been canceled and altered. But we are going to try to move forward this year with our annual trunk or treat. It's going to look a little different. Normally we have it inside, but this year we actually are going to take it outside like a traditional trunk or treat. Um, but before we commit to it and say yes, we kind of need some additional buy-in from all of you who would be willing maybe to put your car out there and decorate it a little bit or not and just safely and appropriately hand out you know, individual treats to, to the kiddos. Um, so if you would be willing to do that, we'd like to have at least 20. We're less than halfway there right now. So talk to Kristen Steyer. She is our children's pastor. You can also just email the church or give us a call and let us know that you'd be willing to do that. And so if you could let us know by maybe midweek this week so that we can plan and promote if we do end up getting kind of critical mass um, for that event, okay? We would love to have you join us. I'd like to pray over us this morning as we start worship and invite you into that, all right? Father God, thank you so much for joining us this morning, for being here, for being the overseer and the provider of everything that we have. Our worship to you is to honor you for all that you can do, uh, continue to do in our lives and that you do on a daily basis. A lot of that, oftentimes, we don't even realize. Thank you for loving us to an extent that we will never understand. And thank you for the opportunity to worship you, to give you our heart this morning and just honor who you are. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you go ahead and stand up with us?
God right now. don't we? He is the author and the foundation of our faith. He is the one who gives us freedom. And we sing about that this morning. Will you sing it with me here? This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you, we praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you, we praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you, we praise you. We'll see you break down
Thank you, Jesus. You can be seated. We're going to, uh, first off, actually, let's wave to people around you. Good to see you this morning. <laughs> so glad to have you. And uh, something we do every week is we just take thanks of what God has given us by giving a portion of that back to God. And we're going to be doing that right now. If you can do that, whether uh, there's going to be places around here that you can do that later or you can do it online. You can bring it in. You can mail it in. There's different ways that you can do that. But thank you so much for continuing to be faithful in giving to the work of God through Southwoods. It is. It continues to, to bless many different uh, places. You know, this isn't just a United States sort of thing. This is a worldwide thing. And we're able to continue to bless and support uh, our missionaries in other places as they also are ministering into the people that they are surrounded with, people who are afraid uh, and they're, they're confused about what's going on as well. And you know what, the, as scary as some of this has been, it's also been an opportunity. And, and we, we thank you for continuing to, to support that with us. We're gonna sing another song. And you can stand, you can kneel, you can, you can, you can sit there, you can, you can worship however you, you like, but I encourage you to listen to the words of these songs, this song.
Thank you for the gift of Jesus. You know, right now we're going to be taking communion here in just a moment. And, and a part of communion, what we have is we have the bread and we have the wine or the juice. And these are important. These were things that the Israelites, it was part of their staple. It was what they would have at all of their meals. It was just kind of the normal meat and potatoes like we maybe have in the Midwest. And uh, not only that, but it was used... In the Old Testament, when the Israelites left Egypt, they would, they would have this. It was made in haste because what was about to happen was freedom. It's foundational to their observance together. And here this morning with communion, this is also foundational. This is part of our faith. This is, this is why we do this every week. Because this is just a staple. Everything we do flows from this reality. And just like for the Israelites in the Old Testament, where they would, they would take, they they had, uh, they would take this before they left. This is also for our freedom. That we worship here. That because of the blood and the body of Christ, that we are free. So take some moments here. And just thank Jesus for that. I'm going to pray, though, first. Dear Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus, for his body, the fact that he lived, that he died, but that he did not stay in the grave. He defeated death and that he lives again. And because of that, we can know it's the stamp of approval from God that he has accepted the cost, the penalty for the penalty of our sins. And so we can worship in freedom, we can worship in thankfulness because Jesus is faithful. And he is faithful now, even amidst the chaos. He is faithful now, and we can rely on that. Lord, thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen.
Well, good morning, Southwoods. It's great to see you this morning. Several years ago, Lori and I had an opportunity to go on a cruise. I don't know if you've ever been on a Caribbean cruise or not. We had not prior to this experience. And uh, it was our first Caribbean cruise. Spectacular. You know, if you've ever been there, the, the Caribbean islands are beautiful. The water's pristine. The island's spectacular. You know, that we, they've got all these excursions that you can take when you get down there. We, uh, we took a couple. My favorite one was racing the regatta boats. I don't know if you've ever done that or watched that on TV or not, but it's very fascinating. And even though they're sailboats, they just they glide through the water at unbelievable speeds. And I got to be the captain of the boat, so that was a big, fun thing. Uh, so anyway, that's, it, we won. So that was good. That was even better. So, uh, so that, was a, that was a fun experience, and uh, we kayaked with sea turtles, and we did a few other things. And, but after we'd been on the cruise for a few days, it was a seven-day uh, trip. After a, a few days of the adventure, little hikes and so forth, uh, we just kind of wanted to do something simple. So we, it, it, and all those things cost a little money, and so we don't want to spend any more money. It's, you know how that works. You just begin to think, I, you know, we've spent enough here. So uh, that was kind of what it hit, and uh, we said, we're going to take a walk, just take a walk on the beach near uh, the cruise boat. So this particular day, we just stroll off the, off the boat, and we're strolling along the beautiful, beautiful beach there near the port. And as we're uh, strolling along, enjoying the afternoon and the beautiful sun and the white sands and everything, all of a sudden we notice this guy coming up, and he's pulling a, you know, a, a you know, suitcase behind him as he just kind of walks up to us. And uh, he walked rather briskly, and he starts introducing himself to us and asking us questions. And he, you know, he knows he's already figured out we're from the cruise boat, and that's undoubtedly part of why he wants to talk to us. And he starts saying, "You say if you've come and you're looking for a watch, I have watches. I have watches." And he pulls it. He had his jacket on like this. He pulls his sleeve up. Rolex, 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 Rolex. And then he said, if you, if you don't like this one, <laughs> Rolex, 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 Rolex. And he's like all excited, you're ready to sell us a Rolex watch on the spot. Genuine Rolex, genuine Rolex. And you know, we kind of look at that. And so he opens it up, Rolex, 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 Rolex. He said, you, you don't like any of these? I have more in the suitcase. And he's bending down, you know, he is bound to determine he's gonna sell us a, wa a Rolex watch, a genuine Rolex watch, and it's only 10 American dollars. Now, my question for you is, how important is discernment in that moment? Uh, you know, it's, it's, here's the thing though, there's only $10 at stake, right? So you'd say, yeah, it's, it's good to have discernment, but he's not asking for $10,000 Rolex watch, right? So there's discernment, but it's, even in that moment, you'd say it's, it's important, but it's not as important as some other times. Another time, like, you know, in a few weeks, our country's gonna be choosing who its national leaders will be for the next four years. And we're not talking about $10 or $10,000, we're talking about trillions of dollars of economy at stake. And this is not just like, monopoly money out there in reality. This is our money, our money, all of us. That's at stake. Freedom is at stake. Religious liberty is at stake. Values and convictions that are important to God, important to us are at stake and so on. How important is discernment at that moment? Very important, very important. When our kids get old enough to start choosing friends, 
They start going to parties and sleepovers with those friends. Then they start dating some of these friends. How important is discernment in that moment? Crazy important. We could go on talking about the various situations in life where discernment is not just good to have, like with a $10 Rolex watch, but like essential and like crazy important because it's our kids or something else. Discernment's a critical component of all of life, and hear me on this, especially spiritual discernment. Why is spiritual discernment so important? Because spiritual discernment, your or my discernment or lack thereof, informs every area of our lives. It affects everything of our lives. It affects our relationships, our health, our resources, and what we choose to do or not do with those things. It affects our attitudes, our behaviors, our priorities. It affects everything about our lifestyle. It, it affects everything. You could argue it even affects our eternity. So it is critical that we be discerning when it comes to spiritual things. Every follower of God must grow in spiritual discernment. It's God's will for your life and for my life. And as we've been in this series, live with the end in mind, you'll see as we just work our way through the morning. This is crazy important as it relates to the end of days, as Scripture teaches us about it. It's not just important. It's not just really important. It's absolutely critical that we'd be discerning. And so this morning we're going to be looking at Scripture and listening to the words of Jesus where he kind of coaches us some on this. And my hope is that as we listen to what he has to say, that we'll understand that Jesus, who knew the end before the beginning and who will be the one who's returning, that he, he like has a lot to say about this and we're just wise if we listen. We're discerning if we actually listen and take seriously what he says. So that's what we're going to do this morning. If you have your Bible, open it to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to start at verse 13 there where Jesus is speaking. If you're, uh, if you're really uh, wanting an adventure this morning, kind of like an extra excursion uh, that you don't even have to pay more for, uh, just turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 as well and you know, put a finger there, put a, uh, another piece of paper or something there. We're going to start at Matthew 7, look at verse 13 and several verses after, and then a little bit we'll look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and a couple of verses there, but we'll, uh, we'll mention that in a minute. So Matthew 7 is where we're going to start. This is Jesus speaking. It's a Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus who knows the, begin, the, the, the end before the beginning is giving us counsel here. Um, and I, I won't spend a lot of time on it, but just before we start reading, I just, just this is... This, in my mind, and, and some of us, we read the words of Jesus. If you've read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you read him. He's kind of a melt, but before, take the passage down. You're reading ahead of me. I want you right here. Do not read ahead of me. I can see. I just all of a sudden, I look, and everybody's up there. So, uh, Nathan, if you'd like, just remove the passage from the screen for just a moment. Sorry. So, Jesus, if you read the, the biblical text, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where he shows up, and it's like all of his words and so forth, it's always been interesting to me that Jesus is a little melancholic, is, is the best word I can give. I mean, he's not, he's not this extroverted, yeah, so like we're all excited about everything. Why is that? Do you suppose it's because, as I was saying, Jesus knows the end from the beginning? And so it's like he can't, he can't say anything, do anything without thinking of the fact that, you know, there's this season of time out here that's on the horizon that 
And, and it just is sort of like a burden on him. Just as the cross, the scriptures teach us, was a burden that he had to, you know, had to make it through. You know, and uh, the only thing that brought joy to him, the joy before him, you know, he, with, because of the joy set before him, you and me, you know, he endured the cross, you know, and it's kind of like he's, he's sort of suffering with us as we head towards the clock ticks toward, toward that time that's the end of days, which is the new beginning of all things, his return. And so there's this melancholic nature to him that, that shows up repeatedly in Scripture. And, and you see it just as you read these verses even, it just sort of shows up. It's the, the tenor of the passage. And in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, this is what he says just with that context. He says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. He says, beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit, Jesus says. A good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. He continues, he says, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On Judgment Day, and let me just pause here and just say, you know, sometimes people, you know, kind of wonder about certain things that Jesus says. I just want you to notice, it's real clear, Jesus believes there's going to be a Judgment Day, okay? What is Judgment Day? day when every human being will stand before God and give an account for the things said, and I might add, tweeted, texted, emailed, probably all of it, because it's like this is all stuff that we're saying. Everybody's going to give an account, Scripture says, for every idle word, Jesus says in another passage. So on Judgment Day, Jesus says this about that day. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and perform many miracles in your name. And Jesus says this troubling thing. He says, but I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Then he concludes with the passage that was the foundation of the video that we saw. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. And when the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. You know, in these verses, Jesus tells us a lot, but he tells us how to become more discerning about those who have influence in our lives, particularly spiritually, but if 
they're not worthy of influencing us spiritually, I think Jesus' viewpoint would be that maybe we need to question whether they're really worth allowing to influence us anyway, generally speaking. But Jesus offers at least, some would say, you know, three words of advice here. But let me just say this. It's really more than just advice. They're really three words of life, three words that lead to life. Because quite literally, there is a sense in which life is dependent upon discernment. I mean, your ability to sustain life, to experience life, eternal life, is tied inseparably to discernment. So Jesus is really offering us three words of life here to all who wish to grow in spiritual discernment. The first word of life that he really expresses here, and it's, this is my phrase of it, but basically he's just saying to you and me, we each of us need to choose our spiritual path carefully. It's really the beginning point of what he's saying here. We've got to choose our spiritual path carefully. Look at verse 13 and verse 14 where Jesus says it this way, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life, you know, the gateway to life is what? Very narrow, very narrow, he says, and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. Jesus is not saying here that all spiritual paths lead to heaven. This is not what he's saying. And in spite of the fact that we have many in our culture who would make this argument, that you can follow Buddha and get to heaven, you can follow Muhammad and get to heaven, you can follow Jesus and get to heaven, you can follow you know, Confucius and get to heaven, pick your person, they all lead to the same place. That is the epitome of confused thinking. It just is. It's wacky thinking. In fact, it's not thinking. Why would I say that? Because they're mutually exclusive paths that they're all describing. And they could all be wrong, but they can't all be right. And here's the fact, if they're all wrong and we're in trouble. But Jesus himself says about what he says, he says, my path is, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he's exclusive in the sense he says, no man goes, comes to the Father except through me. That's what he says in John chapter 14, verse 6. I am the, I am the way, not a way, the way, is what he says. And he's making the point here that the path that he is recommending that we follow, that he's advising us to walk, is narrow. It's difficult. Relatively few ever find it. It's unpopular. It's like some of the hikes I've taken over the course of my life. Last year, uh, last uh, uh, fall, I took a hike during that sabbatical that Laura and I had, and I got a beautiful picture of it here. Look at this uh, a picture here. It's, uh, we were in Utah at the time. My brother-in-law and I were on this hike. We took off, and the whole trail was sort of like this, just this like really narrow trail. And if you notice, the trajectory is upward. It is, you know, we were getting more and more tired, and you have to be careful because there are rocks in the path, and uh, occasionally you might see an animal. We had waterfalls that we had to cross and there was no discernible path through the water. I mean, you just literally, you were like up to your thighs and spots in water and one place that we actually stopped because, you know, it was just way too treacherous, way too, uh, way too wide. In fact, as happens on God's path, sometimes our wives, Lori and her sister, they were with us and they turned back <laughs> on the path. 
Shame on that. No, it's just like that's, we understood. But, uh, but this is all, this is, God's path is very similar. God's path is beautiful beyond description. It's spectacular. It leads to a, leads to a wonderful place. This is Mount Tempanagos, but you know, this is, God's path leads to the mountain of God. It's spectacular, the things that you will see, that you will learn along the way, what you will discover of God himself. But few walk the path because it's not easy. Because sometimes you don't understand what happens along the path. And you just wonder, why am I doing this? I don't have to do this. And you're right, you don't have to. God has given you free will. You can choose a different path. You can walk the highway, as Jesus says, to hell. You can do that. Not wise. Not the place any of us want to walk, any of us want to go. Spiritual principle that Jesus, I think, is trying to get across to us, and, and this is not necessarily real spiritual language, but this principle is embedded in verses 13 and 14. And the principle is that the fact that everyone is doing something is not proof that what they're doing is right. We live in a culture that has never been more approval-driven than our culture. Some of us post things on Facebook based on how many likes we think we will get. I've done it. It's shallow thinking, friends. But this is our time. I mean, we're, we're very approval-driven in what you and I have to understand. And Jesus is trying to communicate it is that we have to choose our path carefully. And the spiritual path that he's calling us to walk probably isn't going to have lots and lots of likes. People saying, way to go. You know, comments of, you're the best. Rooting for you. No. Probably you'll be the one on the end of the mocking is more, if we took the time to delve into the rest of Scripture, it's more likely to elicit that than the approval of everybody around us. To grow in discernment, we must, we must recognize this, accept it, come to peace within our spirit, and choose to walk the path carefully and courageously. It's really what is the beginning point of, of discernment, Jesus is trying to say right here in Matthew 7. Which brings us to a second word of life, or advice, if you will, offered by Jesus to help us grow in discernment. And that is that we need to not only choose our path carefully, we need to choose our teachers carefully. If you look at verses 15 and following, he talks about the kind of teacher you, you want to avoid, the kind of teacher you want to look for. Verse 15, look at the verses that follow. Beware of false prophets who come disguised. And let's just pause right there. Just disguised. Just look at that word. He's just saying that that they are sincerely someone else, but they're representing themselves as innocent. Which speaks to a level of intentional deceit that many of us are not prone to take seriously. I mean, we just want to look at our culture and think, everybody's okay, everybody's good, they all have good intentions, it, it, because it allows us to live in bliss in our mind. Because literally the saying, ignorance is bliss, it's bliss until it bites you. 
And Jesus doesn't want it to bite us. And so he just says, he just wants us to understand, beware of false prophets. These are pastors, teachers, spiritual leaders, people in authority who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really, notice what he says, vicious wolves. It's just like the, I mean, the picture, when the, the language is like drool. You know, have you ever seen a wolf who's like about ready to, it's just like there's just drool coming out of its mouth. He says, you can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A, a good tree produces good fruit, a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce good, a bad fruit. A bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit, Jesus says, is chopped down and thrown into the fire. That's sort of a metaphor of, of I mean, he's prophetically speaking there of hell is really what he's doing. Verse 20, yes, you can, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Jesus just wants us to be really clear that there are those who will disguise themselves, who will, will say syrupy things with their mouth, but the fruit of their lives is going to be, it's going to smell. It's going to stink. There's going to be a stench about it. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He goes on to describe more fruit, more characteristics. He says, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. And on judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name or perform many miracles in your name. I mean, do you get this? I mean, these are people who have ministered in the name of Jesus. These are people who have performed miracles. And let me just make a wild assumption, if they performed a miracle, they've probably attended church. They've probably given to an offering. They've probably done a whole lot. They've probably shared in communion before. They've done some things that looks and, and seem spiritual, just like all of us. So Jesus' point was not to separate us out from big old bad them and just say, oh, well, you know, I'm talking about these like crazy TV people. Not, not no, he's he just saying these are, this is how extreme it will get. There will be people literally performing miracles. But I want you to notice what Jesus you know, says about them, verse 23. I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. There may have been some good fruit in some of these individuals' lives, but they don't really know Jesus, though they try to represent themselves as it. They're breaking God's laws and encouraging others to do the same. They've got a disrespectful view of God's word because that's the only way you're going to disobey God's yeah, only way you're going to break God's laws and encourage others to do the same. I mean, because you're going to you're going to have to have a low view of this, what God has said. And about teachers like this, Jesus starts out the whole passage in verse 15 by saying, beware. Beware. Watch out. Observe the fruit of people's lives, not just the words from their lips. We've got to be more discerning is what he's saying. You know, the old saying, we've, we've heard it, I mean, I learned it as a kid. Actions speak louder than words. It's just living largely with that worldview. 
Actions speak louder than words. And this is going to become particularly important in the last days just before Jesus' return. The Bible makes this abundantly clear. The Bible tells us about a lawless man, a lawless man that it calls the Antichrist will arise. We don't have time this morning, you know, and, and it would be so tedious. Some of you would you know, pull your hair out and weep. If I walked you through probably where he's going to come from, as Scripture teaches us, most likely, most likely he will come out of the Middle East, not from Europe, unless he's a Middle Eastern or relocated to Europe somehow or another. But he's probably most likely going to come out of the region of Turkey, that vicinity. We'll, if you want to debate that sometime with me, I'd be happy to talk with you about it. But it, it's not Donald Trump and it's not Joe Biden, okay? Just want to clarify that. So as you go to vote, you don't have to feel like, oh, I'm voting for the Antichrist. No, you're not. You're not. And neither is your opponent the Antichrist. So don't think that. Um, but the scriptures are really clear that this lawless man does exist and that as the end of days approach, he will appear on the scene. And next week we'll talk about, you know, what I'm calling is the great escape. It's, we're going to talk about the rapture and the concept of that because it shows up repeatedly in scripture. And there's a big debate among Christian leaders and, and Bible scholars when the rapture occurs. Some would say, oh, you'll never even see the Antichrist. I would just, I would just say my inclination is to think, I, I hope that's true. I'm not convinced that's true. I have a gut instinct as I read scripture that, that you know, we'll probably know who it is one of these days. We'll see that. Um, now, I think believers will be out of here before asteroids start falling and a bunch of the wacky stuff that you just read in the book of Revelation, you go, oh my, this is cataclysmic. Uh, but my point is to say, we need to know who this individual looks like, smells like, have a sense of it. Because listen to what Jesus says about him. He will deceive many. And 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 9 and following, we're not going to read that whole passage, though the whole passage deals with it. Uh, verses 9 and following, Jesus, uh, the passage says, This man will come to do the work of Satan, listen, with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. Now, just pause right there. Is it not interesting that, that the passage is saying going to be doing counterfeit power, signs, and miracles, and Jesus spells out in Matthew 7 a passage that we don't think has anything to do with the end. I mean, most scholars. Uh, and yet he's specifying people who are doing miraculous things and some will do this and think they're going to stand before him and like get a thumbs up, right? And he'll say, away from me, I never knew. Are, are you with me? Are you with me? Okay. So, Jesus, so the passage, so Jesus, I think, is talking about this. I mean, he's, is my point. Because he's brilliant. He knows the end before the beginning. The man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles, and he will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. I mean, they're just, let's pause. He's, they're, just, they're just stubborn about embracing the truth. Implication, they know it, they've heard it. They've chosen to reject it. Verse 11 goes on, so God will cause them to be greatly deceived and they will believe these lies. 
and then they will be condemned for enjoying evil rather than believing the truth. Remember Jesus' words to us. His word is this. We've got to beware. I mean, we have to be wise. Beware of anyone who justifies breaking God's laws, God's teachings, God's commandments. We've got to beware of people who come along trying to teach us. Suddenly, in our generation, we understand things that this Bible says that, you know what, 2,000 years ago, they just didn't get. They just, I mean, we're so much smarter than them. Pastors, teachers, leaders, politicians, people in authority, scientists, etc., who start telling us this stuff. I mean, God's, Jesus is telling us ahead of time. Scripture is telling us ahead of time. We've got to be aware that there are those who are going to come along willing to break God's laws themselves and endorse that kind of behavior and try to encourage you to do it. And the temptation is to embrace it because... The highway to hell is broad. And that path is easy to walk. And everybody pushes like when you walk that path. You need to beware, even if someone has a large following, even if they have supernatural abilities, even if they appear sincere and caring, beware. Look at their actions. Be discerning. And in today's passage, we find a third word of life for how to become more discerning. And that is really the key. If you go back, we're back at Matthew 7, is that we've got to choose Jesus as our teacher, our Lord, our spiritual leader. As not just the king of heaven, but the king of my life, my life. Jesus explains why this is so important to do this in Matthew 7, verses 24 and 27. Listen to what he says. Anyone who listens to my teaching, and what's the next word? And follows it is wise. It's not those who talk about it, but those who follow it. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock, he says, though the rain comes in torrents, and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house. It won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish like a person who builds a house on sand. And when the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Jesus is just saying here that if you don't, don't want to be deceived or destroyed by life's false teachers, by life's hardships, by the deceptions and those vicious wolves that roam throughout the earth wishing to uh, seduce you to follow them? Jesus is saying, then do the wise thing. Choose me, he's saying, and follow me. Follow me. Listen to what I say. Put into practice what I do, what I say. Do as I do, is what he's saying. So I have to ask you, who's influencing your life? Who's influencing you spiritually? Who's influencing you professionally, emotionally? Who's influencing you in your work environment? Who's influencing your marriage? What path are those people leading you down? 
What promises are they making to you that you want to believe desperately? What's the fruit of their lives? Is it obedience to Jesus' teachings? To the, to the words of scripture that Jesus believed, taught, and espoused? You know, as helpful and popular and winsome as some people in our lives may be, we must be careful to choose to follow people to the extent that they follow Christ, to the extent that they follow this book. Because this book holds the words of life. And Jesus' path is the path to life. So who's influencing your life? And I guess I need to ask you, if you haven't already, will you choose Jesus as your Savior, as your Lord, as your life coach, as your spiritual teacher, as your teacher about every other aspect of your life? Maybe, maybe some of us where we are is we've kind of drifted from that. We've had other influencers in our life. And I mean, part of what the Spirit of God is convicting you about this morning is that realization that I've been... You know, I've kind of, I was on the straight and narrow, the, the, the path, but uh, I, I need to, I drifted off. I turned back. And the Spirit of God is saying to you this morning, repent, turn back, follow me, follow me. Regardless of what anybody else does, whether anybody else comes with you, follow me. And this morning you need to decide to do that. Maybe some of us, what we need to do is we need to, just, for the very first time, just Repent of the path we've been on and choose Jesus as our Savior and Lord. We need to decide, I'm going to be baptized, as Scripture teaches, because what is baptism? Baptism is the, it's a physical act in which I surrender my will, my body, soul, spirit, my will to Jesus Christ, making Him the Savior, Lord, King of my life. It reflects that choice of heart. If you've never been baptized, that's a step that Scripture teaches. In fact, Jesus told his disciples, I want you to go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I mean, his expectation was that every one of his followers, every disciple of his would be baptized. If you've not been baptized, you need to be baptized. It means right out of the words of Jesus, Matthew 28. Now, why is all this so important? Because it's God's path to becoming more discerning. And these days are increasingly becoming dangerous, spiritually speaking. I mean, we've watched it for the last years, but particularly the last months, it seems like. Increasing lawlessness, corruption in society. We've been watching, I mean, fake news is to the point where you don't know which is, what's true and what's not. I'm not sure that some of the news organizations know what's news and what's not anymore. I think many of them have come to believe their own lies. Many religious leaders are right now in reinterpreting God's clear instructions in this book to accommodate people's deteriorating moral standards. That's what we're watching happen before our eyes as we, if you listen to anybody uh, teach and preach. Like some of the folks I do, I listen to out there and I just go, wow, I'm watching this before my very eyes. We've got to be wise. We've got to be wise. We've got to be more discerning. 
And God's helping us by telling us these things ahead of time. So let's embrace him. Let's embrace his word. We're going to close today with our band and worship team singing a blessing over us. Uh, the, the blessing, the words of the song come from Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 and following. It's every year at Yom Kippur, the high priest would, would step before the people in the presence of God and he would proclaim this blessing over God's people. And we just felt like it was appropriate that given the times in which we live and the need for discernment and you know, the melancholic, sober nature of all this. It's just important that you understand that God is with you. He's for you. He wants to bless you, but you got to be willing, you and me, we got to be willing to walk with him. That's what we got to be willing to do. We got to choose him. You think of some of Jesus' words over father or mother, sister, brother, children, others. Are you with me? You see where this all comes together from a scriptural standpoint? We've got to choose him more than anyone or anything else. And in doing so, uh, there's life because he is the way, the truth, the life. And if you walk with him, you're one day going to be in the presence of the Father. You're going to be there. Let's bow our heads and pray as our band gets ready. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. I thank you that you have not left us in the dark when it comes to these things that uh, you made it possible so we who are just sheep can recognize someone who's trying to look like a sheep that's not. Pray, Father, that you'd give us wisdom. I pray that you'd give us courage. Pray that you would... Uh, Help us to one day hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge and trust to you many things. Look forward, Father, to that day when we'll be in your presence and uh, there'll be no more sorrow, no more difficulty. Uh, there'll be joy, unending joy. It'll be a great wedding celebration. There'll be uh, just your presence in the presence of those around us who want to walk with you, not just with their lips, they've not just professed that, but their lives have reflected that. Now, Father, as we sing this song, would you pour out your spirit upon us? Because our blessing needs to come from you. Would you fill us that we might be more fully your children? It's our prayer. We lift it in Jesus' name. Listen and feel free to sing along if you want.
walk away today with that sense that he is for you. God is for you. All that is going to transpire that scripture teaches us is not because God's angry with you. He poured out his wrath, his anger on Jesus. He's for you. So he's told us all of this ahead of time in the hopes that we'll be wise and we'll build our lives on the solid rock of his word and his ways. So let's pray and then we'll be dismissed. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you're for us. And as we leave this place, may the words of this song and the truth of your word echo in our hearts. And we promise to give you credit for every good thing that happens in our lives now and certainly for all eternity because you're good and you're for us. Greater is he that is in the world. Greater are you than he that is in the world. We just thank you for your mighty power, your goodness. We just thank you. Would you go with us now as we leave this place? It's in Jesus' precious and powerful name we pray. And everybody agreed with me and said, amen. 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 Bless you all.